Hello everyone, I'm Rob Warner. And I'm Elliot Jackson. And this is Just Ride from Red Bull. Let's go. What the hell am I doing here? Winning this race is a uh, French guys and Germans and Spaniards <laughs> win it, you know? Yeah, not yeah. Welshmen from Cardiff. <laughs> you know, so. My uh, wife's nan always used to say to me, why did you... Why did you stop with 150 metres and let that Cavendish guy come past you? <laughs> sort of like looking at you a bit like... Yeah, they... And, I, and I, don't, I don't ever want to say like, yeah, it's me. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, I'm kind of a big deal. What can you do? <laughs> Rob, it's season two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, what have you been up to over the winter? I didn't do much. I had a few months at home, which I may have needed or may not have needed. I don't know. But it was enforced yeah. rest. And uh, I don't know, man. It probably was a good thing to get back into the routine of normal life for a little bit. There. I know. I feel like last year we were traveling so much. And yeah. I, was, I was talking to some of my friends. I was like, yeah, the, I'm home, f- like not going anywhere for a month and a half. And they were like, oh, I'm sorry. I was like, no, no, no. no. Like, that's good. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm home forever. <laughs> yeah. No, it was nice to be home. It was nice to ride some bikes. That yeah. was the main thing. Although British weather's not quite like that. Not quite as good as Californian weather in the winters, Elliot. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm over here. We're in London hmm. recording. It's not California. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not, mate. You can see why I'm miserable in the winters. It's grey and raining. But yeah. anyway, let's be positive because yeah. we're about to step into a new series. Yeah, we got we got so many good guests this this oh. season. Um, we had some big plans this season. Maybe some a uh, little bit of traveling for the podcast, yes. which I think will be really nice. Yes. What uh, What do you think now that you've had some off time? What do you think about podcasts? Well, I loved them at the end of last year. You know, like I genuinely warmed into them. And I just can't wait to chat to these people and listen to these insane, mad, bonkers people that kind of just take all that in their stride, you know, in their own world. Stuff that absolutely is incomprehensible to me in all walks of cycling. So that to me is exciting. And I I genuinely love finding out what's going on in the in these yeah. basically crazy people's minds a lot it's of the true. time it's right true. like i feel like um the further away we move from downhill yeah the more i understand when people say to me you ride downhill that's crazy like that's me it's to, not crazy to all these other cyclists yeah it's, it it's is three minutes like, anyone yeah, can do really, it that's how i feel, that's <laughs> yeah. I feel. well we have uh we have a good guest today go on we have a dude who won the Tour de France, which is just amazing. Like, I... How? I know, right? That's how I feel. How'd you win the Tour de France? How? Well, I, I know, like, you know, it just feels... The Tour de France... How'd you do the Tour de France? Three weeks. Totally. Through the Alps. Yeah. Through the mountains. Through the flats of France. But I can never, ever... I watch the Tour every year i love it start yeah, to finish it the way it unfolds yeah, yeah you know you're not going to miss the tour opera, de france like yeah and the scenery uh-huh. and the mountains totally. and these tiny tiny ants the riders tackling these enormous climbs yeah. i mean to me it's like the it's always the what well, it is and it is the purest form of cycling like this is it it's the old, one of the oldest races in the world totally. The history, the prestige, there's nothing like the Tour de France. There's nothing like the Tour de France. It's so true. Yeah. And Garrett Thomas, 
knows this better than anyone. I mean, he, he won his first gold medal on the track in Beijing. He's he's been a sprint dude. He's he's been a, a cobble specialist. He's been a climbing domestique. I mean, and then he he wins a tour, and it's and just, he's from uh, South Wales, uh, right? And you it, know what I mean? It's so cool. And so now he's he's thirty seven, um, going for the Giro Italia in twenty twenty four. After getting second, I I can't wait to talk to him. No, I can't either. From what I know about him, and that's only watching him in the tour and the interviews. He has got his feet planted firmly on the ground. He breaks the mold, actually, to yeah, me, of what yeah, I yeah. really expect a top road pro to be. You know, he's not stuffy. Yeah. He's got time. He chats. He's real. So before we get into it, Rob, I really just want to say to everyone listening, we would love to hear from you. It was really great to get all the messages about what you liked, what you didn't like, yeah. guests that you wanted to hear, yeah. the the fun stuff and like where you listen to the podcast and so make sure you email us at podcast at redbull.com hit us up on socials hit the red bull bike channel up on socials it's uh and it's important because yeah. you know we're the lucky ones who get to chat to these guests but we want your input we want to we want to channel the inner you to these <laughs> guests as well right we do this totally. is everyone's podcast yeah okay okay with that done let's get into it yeah Today's guest has been at the top of his sport for well over a decade, and he's not done yet. We're also super excited to welcome our first Tour de France winner to Just Ride. And he can probably give me and Elliot a couple of tips about podcasting too. <laughs> welcome to Just Ride, Garrett Thomas. Thanks for joining us, Garrett. Thanks for having me. Good to Amazing. see you. Amazing to have a Tour de France winner on the show. That's true. Yeah, yeah. never never in my life. <laughs> no. no. Garrett, I mean, Rob said it in the in the intro, but you won Olympic gold in, in 2008. And here we are in, in 2024. And you're going to be leading the Ineos Grenadiers in the Giro d'Italia. Did you ever think that you would have such a long career? No, 100% not. I think... Um... When I won the tour in 18, I signed the contract for three years and I kind of thought that could be the last one. And then, well, since then I've extended twice. So um, <laughs> I was pretty sure I was going to stop end of last year. And then um, I've just still been enjoying it. You know, I still love riding my bike, still pushing myself. The, the family are happy where we are. So I thought, why not? If someone's going to pay me to do this, I, you know, it's... <laughs> It's not a bad life. What, what was the like conversation like in your head when you were about to sign the contract? Like, uh, to be honest, it was pretty easy. But um, we kind of spoke about one year, and we kind of agreed terms and everything. And then, just at the end of the conversation, I was like, "Oh, what about two? And then they came back to me the next day. Yeah, okay. And then afterwards, I was like, "Oh, I am." <laughs> Two is quite quite a long time, but um, right. yeah. What did I sign myself up for? Yeah, yeah. But as I say, I'm just enjoying it. So, so why why not? You get to chase the sun round, and um, yeah, it's not bad. And you're in Tenerife at the moment, right? Getting ready for this year. Big blocks of yeah. training, you said. Yeah, training camp up here. First, it's the earliest I've ever been to altitude. Um, we're staying on Mount Tidy, right next to the volcano, and. Um, been coming up here since 2011, which is kind of uh, makes me feel old as well. Like all the boys here were, well, some of them was like eight or nine when I was up here for the first time. So, um, but no, it's good. The, the weather's good. The roads are really nice. There's plenty of variety because normally an altitude is just one road up to the top of the mountain and that's it. But a bit of variety here. So it's all good. So uh, if we go back to your first tour in 2007, 
if my stats are right, you were um, <laughs> second to last, 140. Yeah. Did, you, <laughs> did you ever in your wildest dreams think that you would be winning that same race? Oh, hell no, not yeah. at all. Like, I didn't expect to ride the race that year. And then I obviously did. It started in London. So they wanted a Brit in the team just to get a bit more publicity, basically. Ah. They didn't expect me to go much further than stage seven. And um, <laughs> yeah, as you say, ends up finishing last but one. Um, but yeah, the, to the thought of winning was a million miles away. I just, I was a track rider at the time. You know, I was the next year was the Olympics in Beijing, which was my main focus. But yeah, never in my wildest dreams that I think I'd be competing for um, the yellow jersey, let alone winning it. And it's, I've always wondered that, like as a road rider, you have this looming thing, like the Tour de France. I don't think many sports have something that's that prestigious uh, that you can even compete in. What is that? What's What was that like coming up and having that even be a possibility? Yeah, just to be a part of it was a massive dream anyway, you know. I used to run home from school when I was 12 to watch the end on Eurosport, you know. And, um, Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was bad for it. And um, <laughs> the thought of like turning professional and then riding it in my first year as a pro was just nuts. Um, but then in cycling, the good thing is there's a lot of other races which you can sort of target no matter you're sort of, you know, whether you're a big sprinter or, you know, a younger guy or a climber. There's There's lots of different races. Um, the tour is the pinnacle but then there's a lot on the way up and I through my career I've kind of built up through one day races to then shorter stage races like five seven days and then yeah it gradually progressed through the years and um, ended up targeting the Grand Tours and the, the, the Tour de France stuff like that but um, that's a bit old school now anyway kind of progressing slowly these days <laughs> they come oh. in at 21 and win the bloody thing which is annoying but yeah there we go have you seen it change i mean you can't help but think about vinegard pagaccia like mm. what have they they haven't made it any easier have they right <laughs> not at all it's um especially since covid kind of accelerated it for some reason and it's just huh. i think the whole peloton is just more professional whereas in the past it was um just the top guys like the top sort of I don't know 40 50 guys now 300 guys are training properly eating properly doing altitude training you know the whole team are like looking after all the riders rather than just their top three or four so the depth is a lot better and um yeah the, the sport's just moving on all the time which is good but I think as an older or more experienced I like to call myself not yeah, older that's bad. more experienced guy <laughs> yeah. man Rob you, um... you're so experienced <laughs> I'm the most experienced bloke here <laughs> you just got to um, adapt with it as well you know and I think if I was stuck in like oh this is what I did 10 years ago then I, I wouldn't be able to compete anymore you have to sort of roll with it a bit so um... do you enjoy that do you enjoy changing things up do you enjoy like you know trying to stay on the pace really yeah, I do. Um, you know, I've changed like training locations a few times in my program a bit, but it is quite hard to, you know, when you've done something for so long, you have a set way and a belief of doing things and to change that with regards to like training or nutrition. Um, you know, I ate a certain way for so long to then suddenly start eating a lot more on the bike and it's when you eat and the timing of it. You know it all makes sense in the science and you believe in it, but at the same time to actually do it is still it's not just easy you don't just change overnight you know but no. um, I have to force myself to do it but yeah I, I definitely like um, mixing it up is is probably why I've done it for so long as well really I'm in my 18th year as a pro bike rider now so wow. if 
I did the same thing for 18 years, for sure I would have stopped by now. Yeah. Can you can you talk about some of those like younger riders uh, coming up? I mean, there's I think one of the most high profile of, of uh, Rimco Evanpool. <laughs> yeah, so he's um, a super talented Belgian guy and he basically turned pro straight out of the junior category, which is quite rare anyway. And then he was winning pro races straight away, big, big pro races and um, just kind of, well, I started calling him the little bastard. And <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> he's a little bastard, basically. Like, it shouldn't be that easy, you know? But um, the problem is once it's translated into Belgium or Italian or Spanish, I think they take it a bit more seriously. Yeah, so right. <laughs> my humor sort of lost a bit on them. So I, I don't think they know how to take me a lot of the time, but... Um, He's a good kid, but it's just annoying, you know. It's, it took me like 10 years to start winning big, but um, huh. everyone's different, eh? Yeah. Who who have been some of your favorite people to ride against, like, if you think back a- across your career? Well, I was, when I first started out, like, when I was watching the tour, like, Jan Uric was a massive... Um, he won in 97, the 97 Tour de France, and that was when I first started watching it. So we, I always looked up to him, and then he was the underdog. He kept getting beaten by Lance Armstrong all the time. So Ulrich was amazing, wasn't he? You love the underdog, don't you, as a Brit? Yeah. So um, I always looked up to him, and I went on a training camp with T-Mobile. They had a little development sort of squad, and I rode with him, met him a few times, and then when I turned pro in 07... Um, I did one race with him, a one-day race in Germany, and just riding behind him, like, oh, my God. Like, he was like my hero, you know? And to be racing with him was just unreal. Um, I also raced with Lance in the tour. I was in the white jersey. I was second overall. This was really early in the race, like stage three or four. Yeah. He comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, you can take the yellow jersey today. And I was like, why? I was like, fucking hell, Lance Armstrong's telling me this. And I was like... (laughs) I was like, nah, mate, I, surely, nah. He's like, oh, man, that, that last climb's not so hard. Fabian Cancellara, who was in yellow. Yeah, yeah. He'll get dropped. Just hang in there, dude. You can do it. I was like, ah, okay. Um, we got to the last climb. I got dropped and, um, yeah, didn't take the jersey. But he came up to me the next day and he apologized. He was like, yeah, that climb was a lot harder than what I remember. So, <laughs> it was a little bit harder than I thought. But, um, but, yeah, that was nuts, you know. Like, obviously, all the history with him and whatever, but... The fact I grew up watching him and, you know, he was winning all the time and yeah. to be racing with him was kind of weird and having conversations like that. Um, well, I mean, so yeah, gee, you're, you're like that guy now. Like, what is it mm. like for you to be, you know, your hometown or just wherever you go, ride on a ride? Like, you're that guy now. Yeah, that's weird. It's, it's still weird to think that because I'm just a normal guy, you know. Um, but yeah, back in Cardiff is... Um, you know, I could walk to the corner shop for some milk, and everyone's sort of like looking at you a bit like, yeah, like, and I, and I don't, I don't ever want to say like, yeah, it's me, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of a big deal. What can you do? <laughs> uh, and then they're like, oh no, mate, you just got something on your nose. But, um, but yeah, that is kind of strange. And there's been riders as well, like when I've done some of the smaller races, um, younger riders come up to me like, oh, it's been a pleasure to race with you. Like I've looked up to you, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like what I was like with Ulrich. So it's, it's kind of weird to think that people see me in that same light because I certainly don't see myself like that, yeah. Are you comfortable with it? I mean, is it something you like or would you rather just be like older? As in going uh, back in time, Garrett, you know, when no one, before you'd won the we tour. We call it experience, Experience, no, yeah. no, I meant going back in time before you won the tour. Was life easier than after you won the tour? Uh, 
No, I certainly wouldn't change it. It, it is nice, although... You know, every coffee stop here, we have some people coming up and wanting a picture. But at the same time, like, I don't mind that either because, you know, when they're polite and stuff, it's, it's fine. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, it feels nice, you know? Like, and I remember someone, I can't remember who it was, a Welsh sportsman from back in the day. And he's like, oh, yeah, once you're retired and people stop asking you for your photo, that's when you realize, like, you've, yeah. you know, they, they, it was actually a good time when you were performing and doing well. So yeah. just try I, and live in the moment and embrace it, you know? Yeah. I, uh, my, it was funny. I was with, I was with my mom and somebody had, I was at a bike park or whatever. And somebody had come up to me and was like, Hey, are you Elliot or whatever? And I was like, yeah, they left. And she was like, enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got so true. True. yeah. Well, it won't last forever, but it might for you. Tour de France yeah, true winner. That. Yeah. You're in the- <laughs> so geez, speaking of tour de France, we kind of love to get, give our guests an overview of different disciplines of cycling. And we thought it'd be great for you to just explain what the tour is i think everyone everyone knows but just explain the format and and uh what the the idea of a grand tour i guess well so it's basically over three weeks you get two rest days you race for 21 days um and yeah you go over the alps the pyrenees you got the the northern part of france which is can be like quite windy and flat you some days sometimes you can do cobbles um it's just a mixture of everything and obviously it's the pinnacle you know every bike rider on that start line is in their best shape um so it's kind of like an annual sort of world championships you know and um just the media and everything around it the frenzy like the the fans like every day there's you know it's just lined especially if it starts outside of france like it started in the uk a few times and the roadside is like normally um in a race you kind of there's a race for the breakaway and once the breakaway is formed it's generally a an agreement you stop for a pee but I said whenever that. the tour starts outside of France I did say that yeah, right it's, it's, that. it's like but yeah it's a gentleman's agreement that like everyone stops yeah. right yeah no way yeah. actually they all looked like I was mad in another I podcast when I said that, everyone yeah. stops if someone needs a wee yeah no it yeah, happens yeah like obviously you can do it off the bike as well but if you can huh. stop you know everyone's stopping you stop but once it's outside of France you can't without peeing on someone's foot you know it's just people <laughs> lined the whole way so it's just yeah. mad and that's the tour it's just like chaos it's like a soap opera you know every day yeah. is a story yeah. whether in the sprint something's happened or a mountain day or someone's done this or that like it's just and the frenzy is just mad and it's, it's tenfold to any other race really can you uh give us a little like paint a little picture of what it's like to be in different parts of the peloton. Like if you're in the middle of the peloton, what does that feel like? Or at the front? He's always like- at the front, Elliot. He's oh, always right. at the front. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do ride in the front a lot, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, we do, of course, yeah. yeah. The Safer, front is... Right? Yeah, yeah, that's the main thing. That's the main reason, you know, it's safer. Like if there is crashes or dangerous sections, there's less people in front of you. So if someone crashes, you know, it's a higher percentage that they'll be behind you, basically. Um, at the back is it's nice at times to just chill out but at the same time when you're going around corners if it's a technical section that elastic sort of the guys in the front are accelerating out as you're still decelerating coming into the corner so it can be quite hard at the back in the middle you're sheltered but the risk is just a bit higher um, depending yeah. on what's happening in the race as well but in a bunch sprint the closer to the front the better really Like because um, even though I'm not sprinting it's just bonkers everywhere. Everyone's stressing and um, 
like these days as well when we've got all this technology like um google maps and all this like and got the ds's like the bosses in the car behind telling you the information like right. oh, get to the front now and you got 180 people trying to get to the front so it's pretty uh manic at least back in the day if if you did your homework you knew what was coming up sure whereas now everyone just gets told it so yeah Huh. Is it, it? It sounds like there's not really that much time you can relax, even on the flats, like on the big flat stages with a massive peloton. You see all these huge pile ups, and it's it's hectic, yeah. isn't it? Start to finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It used to be more chilled, but these days it's basically full on from yeah kilometer zero from the start till the end. So is it really? We just just kind of see it as as five or well, four or five hours, whatever it's going to be of concentration. You don't you used to be able to have a chat with your mates right. or whatever, but yeah, now. Yeah. Now it's just fully, you're in the zone for four or five hours and then you chat afterwards, you know, it's, that's just the way it is. And you've seen it change in, in, you know, in your time in the Peloton, it's changed so massively, it sounds like. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's um, completely different. There's, it's kind of like as if it's junior or under 23 racing now, there's sort of less right. respect Everyone's for each pinned. other as well. Yeah, it's yeah. like, is everyone just really? like goes where they want, you know, chopping each other up a bit. Whereas before you... yeah. You know, you'd fight for position, but it'd be a bit more calm. Whereas now it's just bonkers and that respect and sort of that hierarchy in the peloton. Not that that was, mm. it kind of was a good thing, but like in a certain way. But now it's just every man for himself, doggy dog, which you've just got to get, you got to join them, haven't you, really? Get stuck uh, yeah. in. Yeah. What, um, I guess from a, like a layman's point of view, what goes on tactically like you mentioned you have the team car and they're telling you to be at the front at, at different times like what do what do tactics look like in in the peloton well in the tour there's there's so much going on especially once you get like two weeks into the race because there's there's four different jerseys the yellow jersey for the overall there's the polka dot the red spotty one for the climbers jersey there's a sprint jersey which is green and a young rider white there's also a team classament and there's obviously the race for the stage as well and so there's so much going on um you kind of need to know what each team is sort of trying to do um you have your tactics but then it can that can be influenced by others and everything and it's not like a game of football where it's just you against your opponents there's like 22 teams in the race you know and there's a lot going on so tactically can get super confusing i think that's one thing which new people to the sport probably struggle to get their heads around really initially um and it's a team sport like that's another thing that people kind of my my uh wife's nan always used to say to me why did you why did you stop with 150 meters and let that cavendish guy come past you (laughs) you know but you kind of had to explain yeah but i was helping him get in the right position so he could sprint and win so yeah but you were winning why'd you stop you could have done it yeah that team aspect is is um different as well really unique really because yeah we train alone really like it's all individual the training you live is all it? over the place yeah yeah yeah. like we don't uh. obviously there's a few of us based in the same areas but you never join up as a full team um so you left your own devices you get you do your thing to get fit and then you just drop into the race and then suddenly you're part of like another seven or eight guys as part of a team so that's the unique thing about cycling really is real individual in getting ready for the race but then you race as a team so and how does it work when you get to say the Tour de France right so the team's there and you can't win right without a really strong team around you is it like in 2018 when you won 
Was it like, right, Garrett's the best here, we're all going to support him? Or does it unfold as the race goes on and you kind of earn that like team leader spot? How, how is it? Yeah, I had to earn that spot because Froome was part of the team and he'd won it four times previous and he was going for his fifth. <laughs> and um, they Quite didn't handy. actually say that till, <laughs> till like stage 19 or something when... I was like, bloody hell, guys, it's been obvious most of the race, but yeah, thanks. Yeah, because um, you were looking, I remember now, you were looking after him, but you could see that you were stronger. Is that, that's right, isn't it? Yeah, so the first yeah. time was like in 2015, like I was, that's the when I thought, oh, actually I can do something myself because I was working for him and then by <laughs> stage 19, I was still fourth and then I cracked and ended up 15th or whatever. But I was like, oh, if I look after myself, maybe I could right. do something, you know? Yeah. So get to 18, he wanted to win his fifth, I won the stage on like stage 11 and 12 and went into the yellow jersey but he still really wanted to win so he was still wanting to attack and which was kind of strange in the team you know when you got your teammates sat like a meter away from you on the bus <laughs> wanting to attack you to, to get the jersey Great. that you hold yeah, yeah. Um, does it get tense? Uh, it it didn't too much I would ju- it was just mad I was I was in the best shape at that point I'd ever been in and mentally was just in a real good place and I was just like ah I just keep doing what I'm doing like why should anything change you know keep doing the basics and the fueling and all this and didn't really think too much about Froomey um, maybe it was a blessing I was a bit older at that point if I'd been five years younger I might have sort of got a bit cracked or overwhelmed by it but um, it was a strange situation looking back um, but I just stayed in my own little world, really, and knew the the team was super strong and just keep doing what I'm doing, basically. And at what point you said it was like stage 19, like what what did it feel like? Like what was the conversation like when everyone was like, yeah, maybe we should? It was after the last mountaintop finish. Um, and then we had another quite hard stage, a time trial, and then the finish. So, um, but after that last mountaintop, finish I walked onto the kitchen truck um, because we basically have a truck with the kitchen and the dining room on there so the chefs can make the food and it's easy and all this um, proper divas we are and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything but that's all good <laughs> um, and I walk on there after coming back from the podium and all this and that and uh, Froomey stood up and gave me a hug and said oh well done you know you pretty much sealed it now and huh I'll help you type thing so that was the turning point then and then yeah yeah. but by then there was only one real stage to go so I was like oh thanks man you could have said a week ago dig in dig in (laughs) (laughs) yeah so but it was great it was it was unbelievable that that race really and um, it definitely changed everything going forward yeah Yeah. I mean what was it like uh, in Paris like to stand on the top of the podium I feel like that that image of you know somebody standing on that podium you standing on that podium with a yellow jersey at the at the end is crazy yeah it's nuts like, like I say watching it since I was 12 and then 20 years later I'm the one doing it and cool. you know I saw something about imposter imposter syndrome or whatever uh-huh. it's called the other day uh-huh. and I was like yeah it did feel a little like that like what the hell am I doing here you know like winning this race is a, it's unreal like French guys and Germans and Spaniards <laughs> win it, you know, yeah, not yeah. Welshmen from Cardiff. <laughs> you know, so. But no, it was unbelievable. Like all my family were there. Um, 
like wider family as well, my best mates. And it was kind of like the party then was kind of like a wedding, but I was the bride this time, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was like all yeah. about me. And, uh, but that was some party. I was, it was, it was great. Do you have a, a special memory from that race? I mean, stage 11 that year was insane. Yeah, that first stage win um, on the mountaintop was um, big. And then the next day to back it up and win up Alpe d'Huez in the yellow jersey, which no one had oh. done before, was yeah. insane, really. And I just couldn't really get my head around it. It's still weird to think of, really. Um, it's like the most iconic climb in the race, the Alpe d'Huez. Yeah. So to win up there in yellow was was unreal. And then obviously the TT, I just remember the last 500 meters. So Nico Portal was the DS at the time. Sadly, he's, he's passed away now, but... Oh. I remember asking on the radio, like, Nico, have, have I won? Have I won the tour? And he was like, yes, J-. he called me J. He was French. He couldn't say G. <laughs> yeah. He was like, yes, J, yes, J, you've won the tour. And I was just like, it was just, oh, that, that feeling was just yeah. unreal and crossed the line. And then I saw my wife who, she didn't tell me she was coming. Um, the team had flown her out. They flew no. a private jet as well. I was like, mate, hey. I wouldn't be on a private jet. <laughs> but... Uh, and then yeah, so yeah, she was there, and like the my coach Tim and Dave B, the big boss who I'd known since I was yeah a kid. So it was just unreal, really. And then Paris was just um, amazing. But I, normally you'd have a few drinks the night before Paris, but I was like, no chance. Like I'm not risking <laughs> losing this jersey on the last day now. No, no, it's no, still no, a race. no. Like it's a procession to the Champs Elysees, but it's yeah, still yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the biggest race a sprinter can win, so it means right. a lot. So yeah. quite high risk, isn't it? It's the last stage is like it's chaos, isn't it? Round and round there. Yeah, without a doubt, and you can puncture or anything silly yeah. can happen. And so yeah, stayed switched on to that, and then won the race and enjoyed the next sort of six months. Then yeah, you, you spoke about your win on Alpduez. I guess it might have brought back some amazing memories to see your teammate, young Tim Tom Pidcock do the same last year what was that like for you to watch yeah it was it was it was nice I would have preferred to have win mine that's <laughs> <laughs> the honest answer yeah but if it's not going to be me it might as well be a teammate but it was good to see him win you know um, he's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders you know he's one of the, the main riders in the team so that was good to see and the fact that I'd had a good day as well though was made it better for me you know if I'd had a bad day it would have been a bit harder to but um yeah, no, it was great. It was a good day for the team, for sure. And um, I feel like in, in 2022, you got that podium and it was, I feel like it kind of showed everyone that you could still compete in Grand Tours. But the focus, I feel like it's kind of shifted to the Giro. Is that is that right? Yeah, like I'd or, be on every step of the tour podium. Um, the Giro was yeah. something I'd crashed out of a couple of times for no fault of my own. But yeah, those things happen in cycling. So I wanted to go there. Went there in 23 last year. And um, yeah, I just got so close. But um, after the start of the year I'd had, it was, um, I took the positives from it really. The fact that, well, yeah, I missed about a good chunk of time from end of December till start of March was stop start. So to get back and be super competitive and almost win was um, a positive, but at the same time to lose by like 14 seconds was... uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. how does that... Oh. That was to to Rocklick. Like, mm. <laughs> what does that feel like? I guess. Like, obviously, it feels bad. But like, what does that come down to? Is it just? Do you? Is it one moment? Was it just fourteen seconds over <sighs> the course of those three weeks? Yeah, it's hard to say. I guess it was. It was all down to that TT, and he had a worldie of a day. And 
I didn't basically. I had pretty. I was still second on the stage. It wasn't like I had a terrible day. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just one of those things, really. And it, but it's mad to think, you know, three weeks of racing, like over eighty yeah. hours, and it comes down to fourteen seconds. But that's the way totally. it goes. Is the is the gyro a different? a very different proposition to the Tour de France like in the route and the actual ride of the bike or is there massive similarities between all the Grand Tours um, well it's, it's obviously not quite as big but the weather can be yeah. a lot more changeable um, the roads are a bit more crazy um, not as are smooth they? a lot rougher and the Giro organisers like to put in a few like crazy little sections like a little narrow road before the finish or a little climb or a descent and the roads can be quite slippery so it's a bit more um not as predictable really um still quality of the field is still super high for the top sort of five or so on gc i mean um or top 10 but yeah the, the grand tours like three weeks of racing is, is hard whatever whatever country you're in really yeah even if you're winning is it hard even if you're winning like uh, do you feel do you feel it, it makes it a lot easier for sure um, <laughs> on the <Yeah>. head <laughs> but um yeah you just kind of get in that frame of mind this it's a weird sort of you take it day by day and you don't think too far ahead otherwise yeah just like a long climb you know you don't see an hour climb it's like i've got an hour of this now you, you try and break it up into sections and stuff and that's exactly how you treat a grand tour as well you know you, you have your phases of it and then in those phases yeah. then it's every day and you just have your plan for that day and the nutrition and everything and you stick to the basics and it's quite boring like to say it but that's kind of how I get around it really and do you one thing I've always wondered in road racing all of you guys train so hard what separates you know somebody like you from somebody who gets 50th or you know never goes for a tour and because feels like everyone is working so hard yeah i think the top few are definitely separated by you know physiologically like you say it's, it's pretty close really i think it's just the mental side of things i, I believe you know in, in any sport really once you're at the very top you know yeah. the, the margins are so small i think it's mentally how you deal with the pressure how you sort of treat it off away from the race as much as anything else you know like if you're there stressing like using up all this energy um, I think that can affect you by the time you get to racing. So, and what does that mean mentally? Like, I guess uh, in some sports, you would—it's easy for an outsider to tell what a good mindset is. Maybe I take more risk, or um, there is more mistakes to be made. But what does like a good mindset look like in road racing? Is it like the ability to handle pain, or? Yeah, I think so. I think it's just um, not panicking early when it is hard, or if you're suffering, just you know staying in that zone so to speak um and for me as well i just i i don't know it sounds a bit simplistic but i just don't think about things too much to be honest like <laughs> sure. that might be the best approach yeah. <laughs> just roll with it you know so. especially since winning the tour it's that's chilled me out a bit more again you know because it's like yeah. i've achieved yeah. that massive goal that i've wanted to like my dedication and then the trying to do it again certainly hasn't like wavered but it's more just I'm just like ah, yeah I don't have anything to prove um, get out there and just keep working hard and you know risk it a bit as well like I think that sort of comes into it as well sometimes when you're trying to do something to take that little risk you might be a bit it depends on how you are as a person but you might be less willing to take it really yeah it's uh, it is it's super interesting like 
the more we've 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 done a, like this block of podcasts recently and all of these top athletes are so chill yeah. <laughs> like it, in all of the different sports and it's and it's so funny because i think from the outside you would imagine it being the opposite like do you feel like that the better you've gotten the more you the more you can let go i guess yeah i think so like i said earlier it's weird but in the tour i won i was kind of like the most chilled i I felt i've been at a race yet you know i'm leading the tour i don't know (laughs) like you know you're leading the biggest bike race in the world and you might win it but yeah right right obviously i didn't think of that as i said you think of the next day and i was just kind of like yeah well you know i've won two stages i'm in the yellow keep doing what i'm doing you know nobody they're not going to grow a third leg overnight you know so just keep doing it totally yeah Yeah. i've i've heard that like what are the mind games that kind of get played (laughs) you know do you ever put on like a poker face to make somebody think that you're suffering a little bit more than you are yeah you definitely try and sort of stay poker face most of the time um fortunately i kind of have that easier than most i think um (laughs) but yeah, and I, I, I stay off social media as well, definitely. I don't read all that. Uh, interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. During a race, I just try to, unless you have a good day and just for your ego, it's nice to read a few nice things, you know, but <laughs> sure. uh, other than that, nah, just, just stay away from it because it's just, it's only going to get you like het up in it. Like, what do I care yeah. what Joe Bloggs down the road thinks, you know, like, would I yeah. go to him, ask for advice? No, so. No. Um, it's not worth even like wasting energy on that to me do do people look at your face to see how you your condition do you look at other riders faces do you try and sort of weigh them up then before an attack yeah i think it's more body language and stuff as well really and how that team's riding if it's different to normal or um but i'm sure like other teams like the directors in the car might notice something like oh yeah he's at the back you know of a group of six like where you might not normally ride so that's a point to try and take advantage because you might be suffering um but guys also try bluffing a bit like Roglic in the Giro last year at one point he was like right at the back and the race is splitting and he's kind of just like there and the rival team UAE come up to me he's like oh Roglic is getting spat why don't you speed up speed up I'm like well I don't think he's he's just playing a game and if he is struggling now right. he's going to be struggling at the end as well you know so yes, sure. we're not going to let that dictate our tactics but um, mm. yeah I think if you're a bit younger and a bit more experienced you might just like go hell for leather and then end up blowing your team and then he can take advantage of that so there's a lot of mind games and tactics and things like that but uh, oh. yeah Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, so, it is, isn't it? I, so I know you've uh, you announced it a couple of weeks ago, but what are your plans for 2024? So I'm going to go back to the Giro, especially after last year. I, um, I'd love to go back one more time, just see what I can do. And then I'm going to try and back that up with a tour as well. So it's a massive wow. challenge. I've never done it before. Well, I did it once in 2017. I crashed out of both. Didn't finish either. So <laughs> hopefully it's better than that. Um, how, how much time is in between the two? It's like five weeks. But I think it's probably better for me because last year I did the Giro and the Vuelta and there was a couple of months, a few months maybe between and it's hard to sort of peak, come down and get back up. So yeah. it's more about just staying, trying to stay, um, well, lean basically, not put on t- too much um, fat and just sort of um, freshen up, stay active and then just go there and, and see what happens really. But um it's a big challenge, but you know, as I said, 18th year pro, I need something different to 
<laughs> motivate me and challenge. excite me. Yeah. Yeah. In the, am I right in thinking that Stephen Roche back in the day, did he win all three Grand Tours in one year? Is he the only dude to he, do it? And is that even possible now? Well, he won the Giro Tour and the Worlds. So, uh, uh, um, well, I wouldn't put it past some guys, actually. Wouldn't you? Um, like Pogacar or Vingegaard could probably have a good shot at it. I think Pog more because he's a better one day racer. Because um, Vingegaard could have won the Tour of Walter last year, actually. Uh, he just had a teammate in front of him who won, obviously. So, um, yeah. but yeah, that, that's some achievement. Just, you know, just to win any one of them, let alone in one yeah, year. Well, that's yeah, that's right. nuts, yeah. I want to switch gears a little bit because you have one of the same jobs as we do, which is <laughs> hosting a podcast. How how did that come about, actually? You don't really see that very much in sport, somebody at the very top of the sport, um, you know, doing a lot of media stuff, a lot of podcasting. Yeah, so we started, me and Luke started it back in 2019. Uh, What's occurring, it's called. So <laughs> off Gavin and Stacey, but obviously we use Watts as power, Watts instead of, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. and yeah it was uh, well we naively thought if we just do a podcast we won't have to do any interviews so we can just say what we want on this <laughs> and they can take those quotes but they still come knocking for interviews but um, and also in the back of my mind it's kind of like oh when I stop at least this sort of preparing me to potentially go into that sort of thing or the media or whatever but as I said I keep extending my bloody contract so I'm still <laughs> racing and still podding but um it's good fun though so we got what's occurring and I've got my own like Garantano Cycling Club which I do with um, Tom Fordyce who writes my books and so the two are very different like with Luke this is like me and Luke down the pub talking about the race uh, and with Tom we get a guest on and it's a bit more um, professional really um, yeah. well Tom's a professional when I just chat away like normal but uh, <laughs> yeah. we had we had Luke on at the beginning of of last season and it's crazy that you guys will go straight after a race and just do a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, it's um, not, we don't think about it too much. We just get on, yeah, spit the shit and get off. But it hasn't got us in too much trouble yet. But as I said, it's um, <laughs> when it's translated, I think it can be lost a bit in other languages. And when yeah. it's quoted ah! uh, as a headline, yeah. sometimes. But yeah, whatever. I think. That's the other thing about being experienced, isn't it? You end up not really yeah. like your granddad. He doesn't really care what he says, does he? So we're a bit like that. <laughs> no, that's right. We were having this conversation before too. Like I think at a certain point, at a certain level, like after you win the tour or whatever, you can kind of say what you want because you're the best. And <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that there is uh... as long as it's within reason, you know. But um, sure, yeah, like it's it's just an opinion, isn't it? And uh, yeah, people seem to like it anyway. Yeah. What was it like to do the uh, live show last year? That was great. I, I hadn't really thought about it, though, until we turned up and we had to do a test. Then I walk out onto the stage. I was like, oh, geez, there's actually a lot of seats here. Like, this is quite... <laughs> people have paid money to come and watch this. It better be good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 yeah. We got a massive buzz from it. I loved it, yeah, to be fair. Yeah, that is so cool. I mean, like hometown and... Have you ever thought about what you would do after you get done racing? Uh, a little... I don't really know, to be honest. I have thought about it. I haven't come up with an answer, but I think, you know, podcasts and those live shows were, were great fun. So, to continue, that would be good. But I'd love to stay in the sport as well, part of the team in some way. 
I definitely wouldn't want to be a, a DS though, the guy in the car calling the shots because they're away so much. But um, yeah. stay involved in the sport in some way. I don't know in what capacity you mind, but. What are the big things that you feel like you uh, want to kind of like tick off? I've always wondered, I, as I say that, like for somebody like you who is known for Grand Tours, won the tour, how do you think of one day races like a Olympics or, you know, world champs and stuff like that? Yeah, like the worlds are always in a bad time of year, like in September, which I'm never good in September for some reason. But um, hmm. yeah, the, I've won E3, which is quite a big race in Belgium, but the main monuments have um, always fallen a little short. Like I've been top 10 numerous times, but just that last little bit. Um, but I'd love to go back and do them one more time because they're great races. They're what I grew up watching as well. And, you know, I grew up racing in Belgium as a junior. So yeah, I'd love to go back there. But when it comes to like, what I want to do is kind of just, just be competitive and enjoy my racing and, you know, enjoy the yeah. final two years. Is it hard then to combine like the early season classics and then go to the Grand Tours? Is that sort of impossible now in this modern era? Is that is that what you're sort of saying? For for me, it would be, yeah, to, to be competitive in both, yeah. Um, but next year, I could potentially do both if I'm there to sort of help the boys out, really. Um, but it depends what the team wants as well. So um, I'll try and finish the year on the tour this year first and then speak to them and see what they think and uh, go from there. But I'd love to go back to Belgium because it's, yeah, it's great racing. You think uh, you would ever do an Ironman with Cam Wharf? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. I um, I think for my mental health more than anything, I think if I have a big goal like an Ironman, it would be um, yeah, something to to get me out of bed in the morning. So I'd love to do one. Are for you? Sure. Uh, yeah. Are you likely to finish Paris Roubaix and then just casually run a half marathon <laughs> back to your hotel? Or? No, no chance. I won't be doing that. No way. Oh, that was, I couldn't believe that. That blew my mind. That did. He's a special guy because he's been on the pod as well, right? Yeah. 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 He was unbelievable. Yeah. I bet I took some editing though. You can talk. <laughs> I love it. Well, man, gee, I know you got to get, get going, run to some meetings, busy guy. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. It's like oh, yeah. such a pleasure. So cool to yeah. Thanks, Garrett. We don't often you. get to t speak to someone who's won the Tour de France, <laughs> man. And you know, for it to be someone as down to earth as you is absolutely incredible. So thank you. Cheers, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay. See you, mate. See you. See you later. Nice one. Well, we just spoke to Garrett Thomas. Wow. Huh? That was an unbelievable moment. I've only yeah, ever seen crazy. him on the telly and there he is on my telly today. It's a, you know, it's, it's one of those things like it feels like a, maybe a little bit meta, but it, it feels, it feels weird, interesting to talk about great sporting moments with the person that experienced them. Like, you're having a conversation yeah. about a great sporting moment and when he's talking about, you know, riding up Alpe d'Huez and then I can picture that and I'm having the conversation at the same time. The experience, I know. yeah, I know. I think you mean that like the experience of watching it is like a wow factor to us, but to these athletes, that's almost just what they do. Like yeah. it's in yeah. like Garen feels to me like he just takes it in his stride. Will he 
does you yeah. know what i mean and yeah i love the fact that <laughs> he was pretty honest about you know i expected some romantic answer when i said what would you like to see a young tom pidcock climb he was like yeah. well i'd have rather want it <laughs> yeah, totally. i was like oh, tears in my eyes nah nah i'd have rather smash that win <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> yeah. i know i love amazing it. it is but these are the most competitive dudes on earth man yeah. even though they've yeah. got this laid-back demeanor uh-huh don't forget what he goes through to win a tour de france three weeks like that in the mountains yeah. you know it's it's unbelievable well i was laughing too that it was like when he won like even on on a team level like he's working for chris Froome the whole time yeah and then like you know second to last stage i think it was you know Froome's like well i guess you can have it you know what i mean yeah 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 (laughs) well that's just that it's you know for us it's also a mad environment it's team environment right. it's so different to yeah. anything that we know we yeah. come from probably the most individual sport on earth yeah. downhill mountain yeah. biking but yeah that was it's just funny how I, I'd love to be on a bus and see the <laughs> see the dynamics between the riders and the politics as the weeks unfold it must yeah. be quite quite I think a manage really yeah and I, I I love that he kind of did a a bit of an overview of what makes road cycling difficult right like there's so many things you have to think about like you said you used to be able to chill have a conversation yeah. but now you're you know is this person you know is yeah. this person kind of uh sandbagging a little bit back yeah, there? yeah, like, yeah. i gotta listen to my team you know somebody trying to take my wheel out like what are the tactics going on so i i feel like i'm in a you know, when I watch the Giro this year, I'll have somebody to cheer for. And we will be watching. Yeah. That's absolutely for sure. My my interest is fired up. Well, like we said at the top of the show, make sure that you drop us a line, podcast at redbull.com. Let us know what you want to hear. Um, let us know your own cycling story. And don't forget, of course, there's a new episode of Just Ride every other Tuesday. It's available to listen to wherever you get your podcast. And if you want to watch us too, you can catch the full-length episodes on Red Bull TV and RedBull.com. All right. Season two. Let's go. Let's go.